1: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
2: This hour is brought to you by Vasectomy Clinics of Chicago.
3: Kobe to the rack, shot, rejected by Barnes off the window, put back by trumpet another block by the Raptors. and here comes Toronto, Barnes with a
0: full head of steam, the pass inside, Siakam with the hand, Raptors
2: put it in play and the ball game is over, 204-98, Raps.
4: I just didn't think we took care of the ball well enough, you know, I think they took 23 more shots than we did when you combine the turnovers and the, the rebounding.
2: Yeah, the stats were weird. They shot well, they played terrific defense, but they allowed too many second chances and they turned it over too many times. And that leads to a loss for a team that's just longer, quicker, more athletic than you are. And that's the big reason why they won. Too much offensive rebounding for Toronto. That's what they do. Not
4: enough fourth quarter closing for the Chicago
2: Bulls.
5: 20 turnovers.
2: I compare it to hockey. They put puck on net, sometimes puck go in net, and then get greasy goals. And that's they they throw it up there, and they go chase it down, and that beat the blood. What did we talk about yesterday? Closing out under control, and if mm-hmm. you don't do that, they get around you, and they get inside you, and then bad things happen to the interior defense. Joe Cowley is on Twitter, at jcowleyhoops. The Sun-Times Bulls reporter is with us on the Score Hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Joe, I I think that's one they had to have last night that they didn't get.
3: Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of those, but yeah, that that one was, they knew it was going to be tough just because the matchups weren't great. You know, they had really good matchups, I thought, against Brooklyn and against Washington when, when they did have Porzingis. Uh, you know, that starting group with Pat Bev is, is going to be small, and there's just certain teams that are going to give them issues, and, and they actually had Toronto on the ropes for, you know, three of the quarters, like you mentioned, but couldn't finish. I mean, season long issues continue to drag on. So, um 20 games left. We'll see what the, see what the boys have. Joe, why did Drogage want out? Um well, he knew he wasn't going to get playing time and I think he still wants to try to catch on to I I I still think his heart's in Miami. The way he talks about Miami and the way he talks about heat culture, I think uh he left a little something down there still. Um so You know, they are in uh, uh, one of the possibilities, we'll see. Um, But I think he just, at his age, he just wanted a chance, one more um, shot at at making at least a deep playoff run and and being a contributor off the bench for that run where there really wasn't anything left here with the Bulls.
4: Yeah, but but I'm wondering too, because of his affection for heat culture and, and knowing that he was one of the people that instituted the code red earlier this year, was he upset with the type of basketball that was being played here?
3: I don't think he loved it. I think he knew there was a softness here. You know, when when, when I would talk to him, like, off the record, just about Miami and just about the way things are done here, and it was completely different. So, um, but, I mean, you can't really compare Miami to anywhere else. I mean, it's just kind of a different animal down there, and it's just a different mentality down there. And it's certainly uh, – it's quite different with, with the Bulls and the makeup of the Bulls. And I, and I think we saw that yesterday with, with Pat Bev after the game. You know, we walked in and he was still chirping at guys, whoever could hear him. You know, some guys were trying to tune him out. Others were listening. But, you know, he was letting the starters know it's unacceptable. we we got to be pros. You know, 15 turnovers by that starting group, too many. Got to be pros. So, um, and they made it a point to say that he shouldn't be leading the starting group in rebounding. That's unacceptable. So um, you know, we'll we'll see how, how how they react to that, how the starters you know feel about somewhat being called out by a guy who's played three games with them.
5: I do think it's important, Joe, to note the fact that the two people you brought up are both from outside of, of this initially built team. And Drogic is one of them, and then also Patrick Beverly, and how much of this is going to be something where those guys even listen, knowing what Goran Dragic said, knowing what's been reported earlier this season, and then how Patrick Beverly could be received, knowing that he's kind of got the same outside perspective.
3: Yeah, I mean, and that that's really the tough question. Is, uh, do these guys want to hear it at this point? And, and are they so kind of set in their ways that, you know, I mean, look, Vooch is, you know, there's uncertainty around him. I'm guessing they're going to approach him for an extension and try and keep him aboard. Um, but I, I, I don't, I, I just don't think that there's, it, it's almost like guys have kind of ventured off into their own agendas at this point. Um, there's a couple guys I think that still say they want to win and truly believe that they still want to win. Then I think there's some other guys that are just saying they want to win because that's what you're supposed to say, but they're, they're already, um, thinking about different things and, and pulled in different directions. So who, who are among you know, the latter? Well, I, I, don't, I don't think Zach's all in. I, I think Zach was, I know for a fact he was really bothered with the rumors at the trade deadline that, that there are teams um, in discussions with the Bulls. And, and I think he also sees the writing on the wall that that's going to be revisited again this summer. Um, and that was supposed to be the guy that was the face of the franchise. And when the franchise is all of a sudden saying, mm, you know, we had to pay him because those are kind of the rules and we were kind of you know, kinda hijacked into having to pay him, especially when he goes to 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 crush and and, and and you know he's gonna seek the max. Um so, you know, I I I'm anxious to see what this team does and not only over the final twenty games, but what this front office comes away with from this group and says, Okay, this guy's a foxhole guy, this guy's a foxhole guy, this guy's not. He's a businessman now.
5: That's it to me, Joe, is Trying to figure out why they decided to have Patrick Beverly on the team. And I wonder if they're like, well, let's try to see what this could be in order to figure out what to retain for next year and what not to. Or else it doesn't make a lot of sense as to why they brought him in. I don't think it's to make the play on play in playoff plate whatever you want to call that. <laughs> Do you have a better name for it, by the way?
3: The play in tournament. No, I know exactly what you're saying. I definitely think they the brought Me- assets. They brought a hard ass in to test these guys and actually see how they would react Um, because the math is the math. They've acknowledged that they know that they had a much better chance of, you know, load management. Demar, your hips still bothering you sit. Zach, you sit. And and possibly even jump in in front of Orlando and get in a 42% chance to keep that top four you know, that's a lot better than the, at the time, the 9% chance they had of making the playoffs. So they knew the math. I asked Billy about it the other day. I'm like, well, why, did, why was that not a discussion? He said it was never a discussion. The discussion's always been playoffs, playoffs, push, win games. You know, um, I don't get it I, 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 at this point. You know, the, the makeup of this team, it's just, look, it's just a soft team. I mean, let, 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 let's start there. It's just not a, a a team that's full of hard guys where you can just embrace it and go, yeah, that's my team. All right, we're we're a five hundred team, but I know these dudes are foxhole guys. I know these dudes battle. They're not, and, and I think that's what is so disappointing for the fan base is, you know, yeah, there's some guys that have some skills, but it's just soft. It's not Chicago. It doesn't feel like Chicago. It just feels really soft.
4: You had a couple of uh, tweets about Lonzo yesterday. What well, what are you hearing about what happens next? Like, look, obviously I'm not holding any hope that he comes back because he's been sacked for the rest of this season. But what are you hearing about how they're going to try and figure this thing out between now and next season?
3: Well, that's the thing. They're trying to find doctors and specialists that can figure it out or figure out a procedure to fix it. I think they, there's a general understanding that there was some nerve damage done to the extent of that. And, you know, you hear email or get emails and hear guys all the time, you know, especially this time, because you got a lot of doctors that want to be quoted and stuff saying, Oh, I know what it is. And, and um, I, you know, I, I know how to repair nerve damage and it's like, all right, Dr. Frankenstein, that's awesome. But you know, I'm, I'm not quoting you for my story. So um, you know, when Billy said yesterday that he's back in LA and the, the, the gist of him being back there is so they could figure out what the hell's wrong. That tells me that, you know, <laughs> they are still seeing doctors. They are, are still seeing specialists. And the fact that there's still pain there has to be concerning. And, you know, Billy didn't want to go all the way down that road when I brought up Brandon Roy. Um, and, and, and that comparison that, you know, a career just ends just so suddenly and, and so young and so much talent. But I definitely think it's something they have to keep in the back of their mind if they're, if they're building this team in the offseason or rebuilding it because the plan that of hope, of just hope he was going to be ready for this year, was a really bad plan in hindsight. And so you can't do that two offseasons in a row. You have to plan for something different.
4: It was kind of chilling when you hear Billy say, well, you know, he can't even run. So until he can run, we can't make any sort of move forward and it's like wow like the 2 years or a year and a half after all of this has yep. gone down and you still have a guy that that isn't able to run
3: and and they can't figure out why he can't run that's the other thing that if if he couldn't run and they and they had a, a, a you know some a grasp of why this is this is and it's just a waving game and blah 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 they don't have that they don't have an idea of why when they ramp up his running, he has pain there and has to be shut down. They have no idea why. So, to me, that's even more concerning. There's a year and a half and there's no grasp of what's going on.
2: I know there's going to be time to do this perhaps in the off season. but how long is this – regime's honeymoon with Michael Reinsdorf and ownership we were all very excited say hey oh look competent management and look at John Paxson being aware that they need new life and we we heard all the wonderful things that were said about Arturis Karnishevis and Mark Eversley and and this thing's dying on the vine whatever this first iteration is and is that okay with with the people above them?
3: Well, I mean, look across the board. I mean, on the baseball side and basketball side, front offices under the Reinsdorfs have a huge, huge tenure and, and chances to mess up and chances to rebuild. So I, I, don't, I, I would be shocked if they were to pull the plug on our tourists in the next three to five years. I could see him walking away before that on his own to me that would happen before the, the would pull the plug on him. I mean, when they, when they researched him and went after him, it was the, the intent to, this is our guy. Here's the keys to the car. Here's the keys to the guest house, to the, to the pool house, everything. Um, You go build us a championship basketball team. And I think they will. um, Yeah. I, I would be shocked if, if I mean, anywhere in the next three to five years, if, if, one of the Ryan's would step in and make a change. I just they, That's just not their M.O. when it comes to front offices.
5: Okay, let's go back to the game last night then because at least, at least we have that to discuss with a little more concrete understanding. I was curious about Patrick Beverly's quotes where he said, DeMar and Zach, they need to shoot the ball a little more for us to be the team we need to be, especially in the playoffs. The goal isn't to just get to the playoffs. The goal is to get to the playoffs and compete, not to just be a wash rag for another team but this this indictment and just calling both of them out saying they need to shoot the ball more what are your thoughts
3: well I mean if they're good shots yeah and, and look I mean it's basic math from 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 three we we all see what's going on and and you know I, I asked him afterward I or I asked a follow-up to him I go so were you happy with the shots that they took and, or, or you, you know, you want to see. And he said, no, no, he goes, no, no, for the most part, they took good shots. But, you know, I said, you know, Billy's talked about this team, that it's a blessing and a curse that it's almost too unselfish. And he said that you know, Patrick Beverly said, exactly. We they, At times they got to be a little more selfish. You know, those are the two guys that are the stars. Those are the two guys that you count on for scoring. They've got to score. And he's been harping on Zach from day one that Zach's got to shoot more, um, so, you know, I, I, don't know if that's a good thing. I don't know if it's a bad thing. It's just a Pat Bev thing right now. So, you know, I mean, if they're bad shots, then who the hell cares? Who's but he, them, but Zach
2: makes bad shots. That, that is an does, absolute
3: part of his game. Yes, he does. But how many does he, how many do you remember him making besides that game in Charlotte in the last three minutes of games where you're like, oh yeah, that's it. That's it. You know what I mean? Even the last couple of years. You know, I think he he makes some crazy shots, and he has he has bad shot potential anytime he releases it. But it just seems he doesn't have that that clutch DNA late in games, um, that that you want to see from a max guy. And, and so, yeah, even yesterday, I mean, they're out of it. It was down five, and he, he takes that three. And you know, there's just. I don't know. I, I, I just don't know about the makeup. I just don't know. I know what you're saying, but I, I, I just, I mean, you, you tell me how many times do you say, oh, Zach's going to close this one out? Like, I could watch a Heat game, and if they're down by three or five with a couple minutes left, it's Jimmy Butler time. I know that. And, and you see it, and he delivers a lot of time. When's the last time you said, it's Zach time, and I know he's going to deliver, and you feel good about that statement? You can't say it because Demar's there.
4: No, that's BS, Dan. The, the, Zach's got the profile of a guy that you would do that, but you see in, in fourth quarter and clutch situations – the jump pass comes back into his game, and it happened last night. There's with also two turnovers. His, his decision turnovers. making is terrible, but, what, but, what but that's is, but that's why he can't be that guy. Because even when opportunities have been given to him to be that guy, he ain't that guy. There's
2: also a very strange dynamic in the amount of deference that there seems to be presumed toward DeMar DeRozan. You've got a six-time well, all-star. But look think, at the
4: games I, where I DeMar that... wasn't even available.
5: Joe, let's turn to you for the Sorry. reasonable Sorry, opinion Joe. in I, this I, fight. I, I
3: know you guys are all making... It's, it's a good fight because it's a fight that I think that's going on within the team. I think last year, out of respect and out of the, the simple fact that he didn't feel comfortable with the knee, he bowed down to DeMar because DeMar has a history of doing that. And he bowed down to... To Demar, you put that max contract in front of him, and you say you're the face of this franchise. And then the first, you know, couple weeks of the season, the first couple months of the season, you also factor in that Orlando game where he was benched, and he sees it. He's even said to me, "It's predictable. We every team knows what we're doing." You know, because I asked him, I said, "Do you want more shots late in games?" And he said, "Yeah, but it, but it, and because it, we're too predictable," and so he's been given that opportunity not, not not as much as demar has but he's been given that opportunity but he just has never delivered um you know like i said i can think of that charlotte game a couple of years ago um and then and then win and then win and so you know i i think that argument you guys are having is the very argument that that goes on within the structures of, of that locker room is is can he deliver, and do we have to give him more chances? Is, is that a learned trait? Is that a, a learned skill? Um, I think it's, it somewhat is. I just don't know if Zach has the DNA to learn that.
5: Well, this is bleak. Well, no. I mean, it's Bulls basketball. Bulls talk. You watched them last night.
3: <laughs> you tell me. You tell me what you could feel good about with this team right now. I mean, there's just not a lot to feel good about. There's just not a lot that you can say – Okay, we can take this piece, and I feel good about this piece moving forward. I just, I, I, I don't see it, and and I don't, I don't understand. They actually have a the door is slightly open for a way out this year, and they refuse to take it. They're not taking the the simple exit to at least try, um, to to land a lottery pick and retain that. Because you know what, the first two guys could be generational, but there's like three or four guys after that that you're like, whoa, that that might be a a a game changer as far as what we are in three or four years, and if you're not even in that race and you're going to just bring this crap back or hope that you can trade a guy and 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 get something, I I just don't see it. I don't see a way out. I just don't see a, a, a an organization that's moving in the right direction, and, and so. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm too close to it. I, did, what, I mean, am I wrong? I mean, what do what, you guys see something? You say, oh, Patrick Williams is shooting threes. Yeah, we can build off of that. Yeah, I see and A little improvement from Kobe something. White, who is
2: clearly taking
4: a, a, a step up. But they, but that's there's that's, small things like watching IO, like clearly be motivated by the fact that they brought Patrick Beverly in here. And and but it's that's a the small role, thing. That's
2: the role he should be in on a good team. Right. Like, but these are like like Joe every night, every night the Bulls play. I watch these other teams, and they just have NBA guys. They're young. You know what I mean. They're just every team. Doesn't you change the names around, spin the wheel? They're young. They're long. They're spry. They can all shoot through. The Bulls just don't have enough NBA guys.
3: I was watching the Miami Philly game the other night, and especially the last closing minutes, and I was like, "They're not. This is like I'm. I'm covering a different sport." Yes. This is like watching a completely different sport. This is watching varsity compared to the JV crap I have to cover every night, <laughs> and so it, it, I, that's why I just don't I, I, I don't see the same looking athletes, the same looking makeup of guys, and the same looking organizations that I see elsewhere in the East, and it's not going to change anytime soon.
4: Joe, it's it's as simple as like a guy like Javon Carter. You know, like like when the when the Bulls and the Bucks played, and Javon Carter was like vet guard. I'll go out and yep. go get you nineteen.
3: You know, like it, it. The Bulls don't even really have one of those. Nope, nope. And and that's the frustrating part. It's just it's just it's missing so much. And you know that the, there is a talent level to it. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Demar is just a talented guy, Hall of Famer. Zach has unbelievable talent. But if you can't harness it and you can't focus it in the right direction and you can't be an all-around basketball basketball player, who cares? I mean, who cares?
5: I, I guess the one thing I'm encouraged by a little bit is that you at least have the potential for two two-way players on the court at the same time, or at least, well, Patrick Beverly's far more defensive talent, but at least there's more defensive-mindedness on the floor now when he's on the floor compared to just the previous lineup. I mean, they're,
3: tr- they're trying to they're trying to capture a, a definite identity now i can say okay this is their identity they're just going to kind of lock you down and make the possessions drag on and they look like they do a much better job rotating which drags the possession on and mm-hmm. um so so they definitely are, are doing that but and it's, it's ugly basketball and that's fine but if you're not going to be efficient on the other end and there's just too many still blah moments when it's, when it's crunch time, you know, it's fun. It's, 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 it's nice for three quarters, but it's not, you know, as Vuce said the other day, well, how we're playing these, you know, at the time, the first two games with Pat Bev and now three, it's, yeah, it's nice to get a couple wins, but it's not sustainable. He and Vuce said that you just look around the league at how other teams are playing yes. and what we're doing is not sustainable. We won't be able to keep up and score with the, with, with the top teams. So um, you know, and and I think that's the frustrating part with all of this is just that it, it, it's so much that's not sustainable from the way this team is built, from the way they play.
5: Yeah.
2: Awesome. Awesome.
5: <laughs> Go Bears! Cowley moment.
3: <laughs> good talk. Good talk. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. <laughs> See you guys later. Uh, that's Joe
2: Cowley. Uh,
4: let's. Look, can we say nice things about the White Sox? We sure can. Because one of our favorites said some stuff about the White Sox.
0: Next on The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today
6: you are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois.
0: Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game 10, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Bernstein and Holmes, Middays 10 to 2, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station.
6: We should all be pulling
0: from
5: the same screen. Not tearing players down. No, we're going to tear you down. We all got to be on a positive screen.
2: We got a guy in the White Sox we can like.
4: Yeah, but we all have already kind of liked him, and that's a good thing.
5: His bobbleheads right here.
4: You brought it in, yeah, but that's the Rangers bobblehead. Doesn't, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter.
5: It's Elvis Andrews.
4: It brought him back to the team, Dan. It's all that counts. It okay. did.
2: I like it better when he's wearing uh, Adrian Beltre's giant hat.
4: <laughs> Those two guys were my favorite. Those videos are so adorable. I the two Y'all are of them. trying
5: to make me cry today. You're trying?
4: Like two guys that clearly loved each other. <sighs> like just, clearly. And it is great.
5: I just want that baseball happiness in my life again.
2: It's a long way away, isn't it?
5: Both teams.
2: Yeah.
5: Well, we can't hot- even be happy about Seiya Suzuki really working out.
2: Getting buff. He got
5: nope. got too big. Nope. Never mind.
2: Too big and his muscles broke.
4: My oblique don't work. So. <sighs> uh.
5: Okay. socks question. Sure. I hear you guys haven't talked about some audio, and I know we're going to talk about it later, but can I just say something? Yeah. There's more than one way to care about your team. What does that mean? Well, we played the comments, and then they echoed and echoed again. And
2: you mean about like
5: other other White Sox have said different comments about how they feel about last season?
2: It was just it was just injuries. It was just luck. It just things just come back. Remember? It was because
5: we we weren't positive. Is that is that what I'm hearing?
2: Yeah, you know how things are. It was just the things conspired, and and I mean I heard. As Joe Kelly said, it. Everyone's like, "Well, look, everything's gonna be better this year, just because it's just supposed to be."
4: Right, and then immediately your closer gets cancer. Right, like you can't. Other than that, everything's you be you fine. can't just assume that everything's. You you have to actually work towards making things better and and trying to be cohesive.
2: Well, that's what Elvis Andrus talked about. He was on the White Sox Talk podcast and when you look at the team that blew your doors off in the final couple of weeks of the season, the team that absolutely dusted you. And then mocked you. And then mocked you because they played way better professional baseball than you did. Maybe you should notice what they're doing and Andrews did.
6: I feel they were very united. You know, kind of like a little bit the opposite of how we look as a team the last month and they're talented team they're young but they're you know they have a lot to prove You know, there's a lot of guys they want to get their names you know out there in the world so it's, it's always that's a dangerous uh, weapon to have also but you know this year is going to be good i mean they have a great pitching they always you know cleveland always have great pitching their coaches are very smart they always get a good plan against everybody so you know it's gonna be it's gonna be a good you know, a good fight. I think that this year is weird because we don't face them. We don't face our own division that many times. So, I think it's going to be very important, uh, you know, getting a lead, you know, in the first place because you're not going to face that team too many times. So, every time you face them, it's, I feel it's going to be like double of what it used to be each game. So, it's going to be good, man. I love, I love that. I think they hesitate. We hesitate those those matchups. So, it's going to be good. But I think we don't, we cannot just worry about them. Minnesota has a great team. And Kansas City, they always play great against us. Yes, they do. And you were only, you were only here for a month. But I yes. I'm here. Every time i hear, I was like, oh, this guy always plays great. So I was like, well, through my career, I mean, besides 2015, now we always got a lot of success against Kansas City. Well, please bring that to the yeah. table. Not to disrespect their team, like I said. They'll, they they're, they're, you know, every, every team in the big league deserves respect. And yeah. we, every player, you're in the big league for a reason. But yeah, I mean, when I get here, they were like, oh, man, this Kansas City thing. And I was like, come on, man. It's supposed to be supposed to be fun, you know. Well, you stole some of their coaches. I uh, know. So hopefully we can get a lot of insight from them. But, no, it's going to be good, man. It's going to be a great season. I love the schedule. You get to play in pretty much with, with everybody, uh, which is also, you know, good for like a World Series matchup or something. But it's going to be good, man. We we're, we're ready. We're getting ourselves ready. We're confident. Uh, we have a great uh, group of coaches, and like, we're just ready to go, man. We, we're just you know trying to go. No injuries through the holes. Spin training is the most important thing. Stay healthy, but besides that, we're going to be ready to go.
2: All right, good. So let's I mean, pay attention to what the good teams are doing and how they play. So how does that factor into Elvis' expectations for the Sox this season?
6: The whole league knows how talented we are. They just don't think that we're going to figure it out how to put it together. And, and, and you know, that, that's good. You know, if they think that way, I think you just gave us a lot more space, you know, to, to run away. But I feel that, like I said, I feel that, you know, there are guys that they know that they don't want to have somebody behind yelling at them or saying, do this, do that. Like, I tell them, I was like, dude, I'm, I'm not a babysitter. You know, like, you know what you're supposed to do. You know how to prepare yourself. You know how to, you know, get ready for the game. That's all I care. Like. Respect the jersey, respect your, you know, respect your family and let's go, let's go and be brothers and, you know, go, you know, go to war together pretty much. I mean, that's, that's what it is for me. I don't, I don't really, you know, I could say a lot of smart things, but for me, just get to that point. Like, you know, I prepare myself. I know how talented I am. I'm confident and I got everybody's back in my team and we're going to pull one way. And, you know, with all this talent, when you pull everybody in the same direction, it's going to be very tough to beat us.
4: I'm not a babysitter. I like that. That's what they need. They need more people that go in and do their
2: job. He's a baller. He's not a a babysitter. He's a baseball player.
4: And at this point, like we aren't talking about, this isn't three years ago. You know, when when you had a bunch of these guys kind of coming up and these are all major league veterans that for the most part we're talking about. So, I i mean, treating them as if they're these young players that need to be guided seems a little, I don't know, like you had to bring in a babysitter. It's infantilizing is what it is. Yep.
5: Well, and it's also just a lack of accountability. Mm-hmm. Let's Let's call that what it is, too. But he's saying it. He's just saying it more diplomatically than others have said it. Like they they know people talking baseball, they know that Kansas City knew. Like, I, I that to me, that's the best example of, of what everybody's trying to illustrate last year their record against them, their attitude about their record against them, and how they played. Knowing that other teams just simply hustled more, it's sad. And
2: Pedro Grafal has been clear about saying those things. You'll hear more from him. Coming up a little later on in the show. What we have next, however, is high noon. And I will ask you this when is an elephant not an elephant? I'm not sure. You'll find
5: out.
4: Oh. Oh, I don't have to answer that now? No, you can. You, well, that's a tease.
5: Have you guys heard about the big blob that's on its way?
4: No. No. There's a blob? Is it's it? not
5: on its way to us, oh. but it's on its way. I
4: thought it was the snow that I just saw Demetrius put in the forecast for Friday.
5: Now, this is a blob that's headed for Florida. Oh. Not a hurricane. Not a storm. A blob.
4: Is it black history?
5: <laughs> oh, no. Florida, look
2: out. Black history is coming. Let's that
5: about knowledge is power. Someone get the governor to stop
2: it. Oh, wait. Oh, burn the books. <laughs> He's already done it. Get the flamethrower. High noon, coming up.
0: I'll be back this way on Monday. We'll settle this then. Right there, out in the street, in front of the palace alone. Yeah, right.
2: When? High noon? Time for high noon, which is always a marking point of your work week, coming at the middle of the show on Wednesday. And you say, Wednesday? That means Layla Rahimi's on the Bernstein and Holmes show. Indeed. That's
5: uh, what this Wednesday means. (laughs) Yep, this specific Wednesday.
2: (laughs) The news of the morning was the arrest warrant for potential Bears draft pick Jalen Carter for a pair of misdemeanor charges in Athens, Georgia. He has left the combine. He was supposed to speak today. He did not, and some of the reverberations are being felt there. Mark Grody will have... All that info at the top of the hour. We talked about the Bulls loss, and uh, Joe Cowley broke it down. Some kind of bleak Bulls stuff. And then Elvis Andrus just being, you know, it shouldn't sound like a luxury, but being a, an, adult. An, an adult, intelligent, veteran, Major League Baseball player.
4: All right, so you know how we were all sitting here watching the Super Bowl and being like, hey, that field looks crappy. And remember well, how was. there were all these feature stories about George Toma and, oh, he's going to – this is his magnum opus, this field that he's going to have in Arizona. Well, here's a story from ESPN. Ex-NFL groundskeeper George Toma, Super Bowl 57 field was overwatered.
5: <clears throat> in Arizona?
4: George Toma, the longtime groundskeeper who prepared – and then advise the preparation of every Super Bowl field, believes the issues that plague the field at the Super Bowl 57 in State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona, could have been avoided. Gee, George, I wonder
5: who could have avoided
2: them. You had one job.
5: If only there was some sort of person responsible for the grounds. Like a keeper, a keeper like someone who would keep them. Yes.
4: Yeah, yeah. The 94 year old told ESPN that he believes the field was overwatered in the days leading up to the game. According to Toma, who has been nicknamed the Sod Father, no, he has not. The field was watered the Wednesday morning before the game and promptly rolled into the stadium on the movable tray that housed the grass field for the last time before kickoff four days later. Tomer contended that the field should have been watered in the morning and kept outside to dry before being rolled in. Who
5: doesn't know that, though? Like, you water and then you let the sun bake it, you know?
2: Otherwise, it gets
5: that all... That photosynthesis s- happens. It's like
2: soft and mushroomy, right? Correct. Right. get all stanky.
4: Quote, So what he does, Thomas said, referring to Ed Mangan. Mangan? The NFL field director who was in charge of the Super Bowl field and worked under Toma for years... He waters the hell out of it and puts it right into the stadium, and that's it. Never see sunlight again. He can't do that. Again, George. Calling guys out. George. Pulling cards. If that's not what you want, it, then you know what? Never mind.
2: (laughs) Tell him not to do that. You could just, like, that's not a good idea. If you're in charge of advising, that would be an opportunity to advise. (laughs) To advise and say, let's
4: do something different. And then maybe when they come to you and say, We want to do this flowery feature on you, George, because of how great and resplendent your fields look. Maybe say no. Talk to Mangan about it because he's the guy that's in charge of all of those things.
5: Or if you, yeah, if you think something is over water, you just leave it out longer to yeah. in the sun. This is not, it's not rocket science. Keep the grounds, George. You could also like test them you know before you rolled it okay shocking hey speaking of also like well how do i put this plants that get stanky
4: they had stanky the,
5: weed they yeah yes really? but not the kind you think of oh seaweed actually not everybody get disappointed at the same time a massive blob of seaweed is headed for florida beaches is
2: it the sargassum yes i experienced <laughs> Which that
5: i didn't think we were going to talk about on I the show i experienced today.
2: that in playa del carmen it's awful
5: well, apparently, this is pretty bad. It's a record amount of smelly seaweed. It's built up in the Atlantic, and most of it will likely end up on Florida beaches this summer. Ugh. Florida beaches! It's awful. It stinks as it starts to decompose. It releases hydrogen sulfide. So it can be bad for beachgoers and the environment, because it is. You the know, the it poor can- workers
2: in Mexico, some of these really low-wage workers with wheelbarrows and pitchforks, and they're all getting sick. Because it's their job every morning at these expensive resorts to to because people are complaining about how everything smells there. I mean, when I was there, the whole coast down there in the Yucatan smelled terrible because of it.
5: Apparently, the patches doubled in size over the past couple of months. They're trying to figure out the causes for the increase of it. Changes to the environment yep. and water circulation patterns. Water circulation patterns also are a result of changes to the environment. Sorry to be the bearer of obvious news, but let's just deal with it. So, this is something that's a real big concern. And we've talked about, of course, like the dead zone in the Gulf, or maybe that's just something I've grown up talking about, given where I'm from, and also the red tide on the other side of Florida. But these are all pretty bad things. Of course, they had me at Blob, and I asked you guys before we did the show, have you talked about the massive blob yet? And you said no. So, that's where we're at. Keep an eye out for this thing, because it's going to be pretty hard to miss. A
2: temple in India's southern state of Kerala has replaced an elephant with a life-sized mechanical robot to help devotees conduct rituals in a cruelty-free manner. Okay, the Irinjadapali Sri Krishna Temple in Thrissur district on Sunday.
4: Yeah, good luck with
2: all of this. Inaugurated the robotic elephant in an effort to reduce animal cruelty. Well, it's, it's more than just animal cruelty. If you if you read on. The 11-foot-tall mechanical animal has been nicknamed Iranjidapali Raman by the temple authorities.
4: My guy! Made
2: of an iron frame and rubber coating, the 800-kilogram elephant was donated by the People for Ethical Treatment of Animals, India, with the support of actor Parvathi Thiruvothu. Raman can flap its ears and move its eyes and tail. The elephant was also comparisoned for a Nadayiruthal ceremony, a ritual offering elephants to the deity on Sunday. The move comes just a few months before Thrissur Puram, an annual Hindu festival popular for the elephant parade. And the temple hopes the elephant will help them conduct religious ceremonies safely in a cruelty-free manner, extending their support to the call for the rehabilitation of captive elephants. The animal rights group said most elephants in captivity in India are being held illegally or have been transported to a different state without permission. Kerala is reportedly home to nearly 2,500 captive elephants.
5: Oh, that's a lot.
2: Captive elephants have killed 526 people in Kerala alone in the last 15 years.
5: It's a very high number.
2: That Chikotak Vukavu Ramachandran, a temple elephant kept in captivity for about 40 years, has reportedly killed 13 individuals. Oh. Six men, four women, and three elephants.
5: Three other elephants?
2: Uh-huh, and temple priest Kumar Nambuthiri said the temple authorities were happy to receive the mechanical elephant and hoped that other temples would soon follow suit. Said in the last few years, the temple stopped that practice considering the high cost of getting a pachyderm and the growing incidence of elephants turning violent during festivals. This sounds like a long time coming. As if in the last 15 years, in just this one province, 500 people have died. Maybe they're a little late to the whole robot elephant thing.
5: I like, how them, like, finally changing. Like after
2: after maybe like four hundred and six, does somebody think? Yeah, that, that, did, then like
4: four eighty? Like did Boston Robotics make it? <laughs> I
5: mean, like, Man, if so, that, I don't know. That robot elephant is. Uh, what what are we out of the? Become uh, sentient at some point. What are we out of the
2: elephant death count? Uh, it's still four. It's still it, four ninety. It, it's still under what we had. Expect it's it. It's 492.
6: Morning, boys. What's going
2: on? <laughs> it's, it, it actually does speak like Brad Biggs during the rituals. <laughs> but, but, but it's like at one point, like, eh, you know, 100. Yeah, I mean, 100. It's just a 100. Yeah, yeah. But, on. you know, like, i mean, I'm imagining, There's 500 now,
5: maybe. Yeah, let's think of an alternative. I'm maybe ima- not do this. I'm imagining some sort of ritual that involves Big Z. Big Z. Elephant time. His
2: name is Elephant Brad Biggs Robot or something.
5: They both bring knowledge in a way.
2: (laughs) No, the name of the actual elephant. And they never forget. His name is Truth. Fetchy Kotukavuramachandra. And Fetchy
4: Koma Kuchu something or other talks football with you.
2: you. (laughs) (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) That's high noon. Mark Grody standing by with the latest from Indianapolis, including some sound from Will Anderson about maybe his draft prospects changing, I imagine. Stay tuned. You got the score. I'm
5: not, sorry for laughing.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours